that's what the message about is about tonight on faith is everyday faith. Everybody say everyday faith. If you're going to live everyday faith, you have to stand, you have to resist, you have to declare, you have to believe. Everybody say believe. You have to believe. So let's make our confession. We have a purpose. We have a destiny. Let's say this together. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Turn to somebody and say, this is a great life to live. <laughs> Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Well, we've been talking about um, increase your faith because it's a word that I felt like God gave me for my life for this year. And I believe for this church, the people in this church... Um, are going to grow in their faith this year. We're all going to grow. And the way we grow is by exercising the faith that we have. And, and we are pushed into a new arena, maybe sometimes, that seems totally impossible to us. But by faith, everybody say by faith. Because God said, we live by faith. The just shall live by faith and not by sight that we can count on God making a way for us when we choose to put our faith and our trust in him. And uh, tonight, I think we're going to share tonight on everyday faith, but I want to review just a little bit because some of you may not have been here for the other times that we've shared. When we increase our faith, uh, we're giving God the opportunity to put before us new things to believe. The, when it says the just shall live by faith in Romans chapter 1, I'm not going to put that scripture up right now, but in Romans chapter 10, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So when God says he's going to increase our faith, then that means he's going to increase the word that we know. He's going he's to have us begin to use the word. Maybe we've known it, but we've never really used it. There's a lot of people who know scripture, but they're not putting that scripture out there. You know, the word of God is powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it has life with it. And so when it's spoken, it actually brings life into a situation. And so we can know the word, but if we just know it and never use it, then we can be defeated even though we have the knowledge of what the truth is. We're not exercising the truth. You know, I have knowledge of a lot of ways to lose weight. But if I don't do those things, if I don't exercise that knowledge, uh, I can believe all day long and nothing's going to change. I have to do something. And so tonight when I talk about everyday faith, um, this is something that I believe with Christians especially, I sometimes hear them say, well, I am really in a walk of faith right now. Well, we walk by faith and not by sight 24-7, not just in emergency. Amen. It's a lot easier to walk in emergency if we've been walking every day. Uh, you know, it, if we suddenly try to gear up, uh, especially when people are ill or sickness has attacked their body, that they're not always in a position to fight like we can fight for them. We can stand the gap. We can intercede by faith. But if they have exercised faith on a daily basis, they can begin to fight even though they're not feeling well. And so I've experienced this a lot with people, uh, especially in an emergency situation, like an accident or something happens. And you can, when you begin to speak to someone, maybe they're not able to really uh, respond as well as they normally would. But you begin to, begin to speak faith, their eyes start sparkling like, oh, you've connected. You know, well, that connection brings life. Everything in the spirit brings life. Everything that's done in the spirit brings life. And so when we walk by faith every day, we have a word of faith to speak that's going to produce life, whether it's in our situation or in somebody else's situation. And so God wants us to live that way every day. We talked about unity. It's very important to be in unity with God. Number one, you know, sometimes people feel like they've got to be in agreement or in unity with somebody in the way they do things. No, it says the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. We have to be in unity with the Holy Spirit of God. And when we're in unity, we begin to hear. It's not just hearing the written word that brings faith. It's hearing the rhema word. How many of you have heard a rhema word from God? And it's like, it just 
went in you, and nobody can pull that out. I mean, it is in there. And, and you're walking by faith, even though there may be days where you're having to fight the fight of faith, you're still so convinced inside because God has deposited that thing in your spirit. It's not a flesh word. It's a spirit word. And so you get in agreement with God immediately, you know, in that situation. But God says we're to be in unity with him even when we haven't walked it before. We're supposed to believe the word of God. Everybody say believe. And we're supposed to stand and resist anything that would try to pull us away from the truth of the word. Spiritual breakthroughs come through the spirit. That's real brilliant, isn't it? Spiritual breakthroughs come through the spirit. There's a lot of people who want to be free from things that they're trying to convince themselves of. Uh, You can talk to yourself all day, but it's by faith. Everybody say, by faith. What is the difference? Well, when you're trying to tell yourself you can do it, you're saying, I can do this. When you're walking by faith, you're saying, God can do this. There's a difference. Now, it'll be God and you together, working together. But when you walk by faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. But then it goes on in verse 3, and it says, God created the whole world with his words, his words of faith. When he spoke He spoke word of faith, and it came to pass. And so in our lives, when we're going to walk every day by faith, it's not that we change what we say based on circumstances. We don't don't change what we think based on circumstances. Will we have a thought that says this isn't going to work? Yes. But do we take that thought? No. And I want you to turn to Matthew 6, because that's where we're going to start. Everybody say this, take no thought for your life. Now, um, as a a single mom, um, and I, you know, it says you're overcome by the blood of the land and the word of your testimony. I share about myself because I know what happened to me. I know what God did. And so I'm not saying these things like I'm somebody, when God began to deal with my life, it was a broken mess. But through faith in God, through taking the word of God and rehearsing it, he would have me write his word over and over. Same scripture. You know, you th- after a while, you think, I can't write this thing one more time. Then he began to teach me that I had to say it over and over and over. And just doing that, because the word is living. Everybody say it's alive. It began to change me from the inside out. It wasn't a head knowledge anymore. It became that rhema word on the inside of me. But it happened because I exercised my faith in speaking what God told me he wanted me to know. And this is one of the things that God began to deal with in my life. And it absolutely changed my whole life. I I had a hard time at first. You know, sometimes when God tells us to walk by faith, it's not the easiest in our flesh. Sometimes Paul said, I fight the good fight of faith. Paul had to fight things that came against him. But it says in Matthew 6, 25, therefore, I say to you, take no thought about your life. Now, in the New King James, it says, do not worry. I, at the time, was reading the King James Version. Uh, I was in Tulsa. Everybody read the King James Version out there. And so it says in the King James, take no thought for your life. Well, I thought about my life all day long. I thought, I'm not going to make it. I I don't have enough money. Uh, On paper, I didn't have enough money. Uh, I had three kids, and, uh, you know, I was by myself, and I took a job, and I would have to trust God with my kids in the morning that my oldest one would get everybody on the bus, and everybody would get to school. And I didn't have anybody to say, you know, right now I'm on grandma duty. That means my daughter drops my granddaughter off at 10 after 7, and I have to get her to school. I have to pick her up from school. I have a whole bunch of duties. But in Tulsa, God took me away from everybody. I'll tell you, that will increase your faith. When you only have God and you have responsibilities every day, that will increase your faith. And so I learned that God told me, I will be the father, you be the mother. When you need something, you tell me, I'll take care of it. 
Well, you know, that's really hard to believe when there's nobody else around and all you have is a job. And then God began to speak to me, take no thought for your life. I thought, well, if I don't think about this, who's going to think about it? There isn't anybody else in this house. And uh, my kids aren't going to think about it. You know, they're sixth grade, fourth grade, and second grade. All they think about is what I'm going to do to make their life better. And so, you know, that's just children. You take care of your children. And so when I heard that and then I read this scripture, it was like, this is impossible. Have you ever felt that way? But this is, when I asked the Lord what to share tonight, he said, everyday faith. I said, where's the scripture? (laughs) That's what I asked the Lord. Where's the scripture? And I felt he gave me the scripture. This is everyday life. This is where everybody lives every day. Simple, simple things. And it says, therefore, I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. I thought about that all the time. What am I going to feed them? Where am I going to get the money for all these things they want to do? I want to play baseball. I want to, I'm going to need a glove. I'm going to need shoes. I'm, how many of you know shoes are expensive? I volunteered to buy my grandkids shoes one time. Listen, have another thought before you volunteer. I took them over to the finish line, and, I, and I, when I left there, it was $150. I thought, my goodness, I know my mom didn't pay that much for shoes, but, you know, we're in a new generation of things. It says, but it doesn't matter. This scripture doesn't say, but in 2012, this is not going to work because things are going to be going downhill. It does not say that anywhere. It didn't say that in 1979 when I only made $4.35 an hour, and I just barely had enough to feed my kids every week. It didn't say, this isn't going to work for you because you're divorced. Because you you sinned, this is not going to work for you. None of that was in this stuff. God began to show me, it's not about what you've done. It's about what I'm going to do for you. Amen? Now, there's where faith starts. And I had to recognize, I can't do this. You are right, Pam. (laughs) You know, I'm telling myself, I can't do this. And God said, you're absolutely right. I'm thinking, oh, dear God, now what do we do? I'm right. (laughs) I can't do this. Take no thought. Everybody say, take no thought. Take no thought for your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body than clothing? I thought, no, it's not. And, but, but, you know, this is, I'm just being honest with you. My flesh was like, really? But if you keep reading, it says, look at the birds of the air, for they do not sow, nor do they reap, nor gather into barns. They eat bird feed that my husband gives them, actually. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Your heavenly father, do you know there's enough provision in the earth to take care of animals, to take care of all of creation that God has put in the earth? And then it says, they do not sow, nor do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Well, you know, in the garden, uh, Adam was given dominion over all all of the animals, over everything that creeped on the earth, everything. So, Man has been given a responsibility to take care of things. Well, who's going to take care of me was my thought. And then it says, uh, who among you, by taking thought, can add a cubit to his stature? Now, that I knew was true. Thinking about it wasn't fixing it. How many of you have ever had something that, you know, you're just really trying to think about the way to solve it? Well, you know, if you haven't thought of it yet, you might as, well, might as well admit, I can't fix this. Amen? There's things you just can't fix. And so why take thought about clothing? Consider the lilies of field, how they grow. They neither work nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed like one of these. I can tell you back in the day, I didn't see that. I didn't, even, I didn't really even know much about Solomon. But I want to tell you, Solomon was a very wealthy person. God has made a way for you to have everything that you need because he's using Solomon as his example here. I mean, he's saying the richest man, the birds, these things are not clothed as, I mean, these things are clothed better than he was. And they can't even do it themselves. 
Are you getting this? See, when you really look at what God's saying, he's saying, you can't do this. So stop thinking about it. That's very hard for an accountant person to do. And a mom who has three kids thinking, I am responsible. How many of you ever thought, I am responsible for this? Well, there's somebody bigger than you that is responsible for you. Amen? And he loves you, and he's already made a way. But you get it by faith, not by sight. Okay? So let's go on. Therefore, if God so clothes the, the grass of the field, which today is here and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? I qualified for the O you of little faith. Therefore, take no thought. That's what this says, and that's what the King James says. Take no thought. Everybody say, take no thought. Take no thought. Take no thought. Uh, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? I tell you, when I would go to the grocery store, I would be thinking, can I buy enough for the whole week with the little bit I have? And somehow, I would always have enough to cook every meal that I had to have in the evening. Uh, I, I didn't have a lot extra. You know, I didn't buy a lot of chips and dips, and the boys would hide the cereal box from each other because they wanted to be sure they got their share. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, we made it. We made it every week. And I think I remember having like $35 to go to the grocery for a week. And, and we ate a lot of hamburger and macaroni and cheese. It's a wonder they don't look like macaroni and cheese because that was, that was a filling thing. And it had cheese in it. I figured, well, that's something got to be good about cheese. And the pasta just to keep them alive. So we'll just keep eating this. But they liked hamburger so we could have a hamburger. And they loved hot dogs. Now, I know they're full of fat. But at that point, hot dogs were really good because you could buy a whole package of 10. And those boys could eat like three apiece. So 10 wasn't going to go very far. What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. God began to speak to me. I know what you need, and I will take care of you. Now, that was a huge change in my life, but with it came a security that nobody could give me. No, no marriage could give me that kind of security. No person could give that kind of guarantee. Only God. And so then it said this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given to you. Therefore, take no thought, there it is again, about tomorrow. Well, I, I did that too. For tomorrow will take thought about the things of itself. Sufficient to the day is the trouble thereof. In other words, let's just think about today, Pam, and watch me take care of you today. But seek first the kingdom of God. It didn't just say, sit there and just hope, you know. And, and think somebody's going to do it for you. No, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Why is righteousness? Well, I don't have time to teach on righteousness, but righteousness is about what God provided for us, not what we do. So again, it was recognizing that all my mistakes, the times that I wouldn't do it right, weren't going to matter in God's provision for me. He was still going to provide for me. Now, I had to take care of when I missed it. Missed it. I had to repent. I had to make changes. But God was not going to withhold from me what would cause me to be able to eat and to clothe myself, my children, and take care of my household. This is good news. It is good news. Uh, I, I believe that it was the beginning of my walk of faith, but nobody had ever explained to me the walk of faith before, so I didn't know what I was doing but, you know, you don't have to know what you're doing. You just have to know what God's doing. If you know what God's doing, you'll be all right. Seek first the kingdom of God. Well, Jesus said, go and preach. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's what his disciples were to go and preach. What was God saying? That I am who I am, El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. And I am here. And I am in the flesh. 
and salvation belongs to those who will believe. Amen? Which meant salvation is total well-being. That's what that word means in the Greek. Total well-being, health, wholeness, prosperity. Everybody say prosperity. You know, a lot of people missed all of this because they got upset about the word prosperity. Well, I want to tell you, this is what it says in Psalm 35, 27. God has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Amen? Say this. God has pleasure in prospering me. Now, that's in every area. Third John 2, which is my, one of my very favorite scriptures. Could you put that one up for us? Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that I, well, this, I'm, I'm again probably reading out of another translation. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Well, what did, just, what did we just read in Matthew 6? Seek first the kingdom of God. That's as your, your soul prospers as the kingdom of God grows in your life. In other words, as the word grows in your life, your soul begins to prosper. Not your, your spirit man becomes strong, but your soulish realm where you worry and have fear and all those things. Your soul begins to prosper. How many of you know that's a great prosperity when you don't fear anymore? I'm not going to share on that tonight, but I will share that before we finish. God took all the fear out of my life. This faith eradicates fear. But it doesn't happen just like that. Because we grow in our faith. And as our faith increases, our fear decreases. And fear is what motivates people to make wrong decisions. Myself included to this day. Fear will cause you to make a wrong decision. The enemy will push you and push you in fear till you do something just because you are desperate to fix it. Everybody say this, let God fix it. Let God fix it. Because God can fix it in a way that will be so much better than we can do with our own strength. Um, now, as far as I just want to talk to you about God as your source, because... Um, my husband has mentioned this, you know, tithing for me, I tithe the entire time once I got saved. I, I, I've told you before, I'm a ruler, rule follower. And Pastor Charles Hackett stood up there and said, we tithe. I said, okay, we tithe. Now, some people go, well, should we tithe on the gross or the net? I heard him say once, you want gross blessings or net? It's your choice. <laughs> so I did the gross. I need all I can get. I mean, I need, I need gross blessings. And I want to tell you this. See, when you decide to walk by faith, you are going into the kingdom of God's realm where he operates. Tithing is where God operates financially. Uh, it's true. It says store up in the bank of heaven. Well, if you want to walk in this kind of thing, you've got to be in that flow because it's where all the flow comes from. Is He says he will open the windows and pour out a blessing you cannot contain. I'm telling you, I would not have survived if I hadn't tithed. I know it in my heart. Never. I would have never made it with those kids. I could have never done it. And I would have to do it when I'd only had $30 to go to the grocery. But God expanded the $30 because I gave him first place. Everybody say first place. Say, God is my source. Faith operates when he becomes everything. Nothing else is going to take care of you. Uh, and so it, when I looked at this story that I wanted to share with you, uh, first I want to read this to you because this is what God said, tithe. Your work is not your source. Do you know what it says in John 6, is it John six twenty nine? You know, Jesus has done all these miracles. He's fed all these 5,000, and then he walks on the water, and, and so they've seen all this. And then they, they say, what must we do to work the works of God? And he said, to work the works of God, you must believe. Everybody's thinking about, well, what can I do for God? What can I, how do I work for God? Believe. Everybody say believe. Have faith. That's what that is. And so I, God has told me this so many times. Your work is not your source. God is the source. So get into his system so he can provide for you. See, he's not, my husband is not my source. You know, um, my husband has said, and now I get my time up here, he has said that on our first date that I was ready to marry him immediately. 
Well, I want to tell you that's the truth. And I'll tell you why. Because I lived this year by myself and walked by faith. And God told me, I'm going to give you somebody. And when he comes, I'll tell you. It's him. Nobody ever asked me for a date. Nobody ever talked to me for three years. One guy was this, this lady tried to fix me up with. And his little boy told my son Matthew at the school, my, my dad is going to date your mom. They'll probably get married. Do you know what? He hadn't dated anybody. He ended up dating somebody and got married by February. I never even met the guy. But God brought me Bill. And there was a whole year of me being back here, walking by faith in the worst circumstances that I had ever faced. I had to come face him again and by faith win. By faith. Now, did I cry? I did cry. I told God I should go back to Tulsa. I must have missed you because this is hard. But he said, you can overcome. And I had to overcome every single devil that came against me before I went to Tulsa. I had to walk that whole road again and overcome by faith and not by sight. And then God sent me Bill. He told me in January before Bill called me or before Bill got my name in the night, he said, it's time. It's time. I thought, oh, dear God, now I don't even care. <laughs> I'm doing really good. I mean, I'm out of debt. I have no debt. I live by faith and not by sight. You know, nothing's going wrong except the kids spill Kool-Aid over all over this man's carpet that I told him I'd take real good care of his apartment. But, I mean, that's my biggest disaster is cherry Kool-Aid on the carpet. So I just put the crouch over it. So I didn't have to look at it. So, you know, I didn't have any big emergencies. And it was wonderful. I was starting to really get the victory even in the place where I had defeat. I'm thinking, oh, dear God, this is wonderful. And then he said, it's time. Well, I was kind of excited. But I thought, well, I'm doing pretty good. And I don't want to mess up anything. But I, my expectors started expecting. And this is the truth. It was right in January when I heard this. My mother said to me, honey, I bought you this beautiful nightgown. I know you don't have any reason to have it, but here it is. And God said, I told you he's coming. I thought, wow. This is amazing. Now, you, you all laugh at that, but this is my God. This is how he tells me. So I know when he says to me, when, when I heard his name, I knew who he was, but I thought, God, this is impossible because of things that from the past, I thought, no way, you know, he, he must be in trouble because I'd heard he got saved by a lady that lived next door to me that she was his secretary, and I called her, and I said, is he okay, and she had had him tell her, do you know how to get a hold of Pam Skelton, so she's going, you know, she's, she's wanting to tell me, and her husband's going, don't say a word. If it's God, he'll do it. And she said, well, I think he's okay. She said, but you could call him. I, I said, I don't call men. I said that. I don't call men. But when I hung up, he would not leave my brain. So I called where he worked. Because when I had moved back here to, to go to work, I was living with my sister. All my stuff was in her house. And she said, you need to get a job. Get over there to Bill Mickler, Snelling and Snelling, and he'll help you get a job. you got to get to work. So I did go over there. But I never talked to him. I'm telling you, God knows what he's doing. So when, when Bill, he didn't answer the phone, I thought, oh, I've made a mistake. I went up to my room in this duplex, and I had all my kids and her daughter were there. And I went up, I said, God, I'm so sorry. I have, I have made a mistake. I've called a man. I, I've never done that. I'm sorry if this is the wrong thing. Just please help me call, have him lose my number, you know, or what? Because I know nothing about him getting my name. And he calls me. And so I run in this little bathroom that was at the back of my house. It was up by the kitchen. Shut the door so the kids couldn't hear me. I'm an adult. <laughs> and I'm in this bathroom. And he goes, hello. And I go, hello. And he said, how did you know I've been trying to find you? Instantly, God said to me, it's him. It's done. I wanted to say, date, let's get married. How about next Friday? <laughs> 
I mean, why waste time? Because my confidence was in God and not in me. Now, you all are laughing, but this is the truth. <laughs> this is like true stories. Because, because after, and he said, well, he said, would you like to go to dinner on Valentine's Day? And that was our first date, was Valentine's Day. I, all, I mean, when I, it didn't matter what he looked like, didn't matter how much money he'd had, didn't matter. In fact, this lady who had believed with me for a husband said, well, I would have prayed for more hair. I said, it's okay, I love him just the way he is. He, d he used to have hair. And so, you know, but everybody, <laughs> this is the truth. This is a true story. This is the way it was. I flew out of that bathroom. I said, I have a date. My kids started jumping on the couches. She's got a date. She's got a date. She's got a date. She's got a date. <laughs> I mean, I had never talked to anybody. I mean, I had screwed my life up so bad that God separated me. And it was not an easy road. But when he told me it's him, it made no difference to me. Yes, he was $30,000 in debt. I found that out a little later. <laughs> he was worth every penny. Yes, he was. Uh, but, you know, now see, what if I hadn't walked by faith? What if I didn't have my faith in God? And, and we... You know, all we thought was he's wealthy because he took us all to the movie. We had not been in a movie in three years. My kids were so excited. He said, he's taking us to the movie. He bought popcorn. We have popcorn and Coke. He went in the bank and he took his card. My, my son John was like, oh, you know. He had a card and he came out with all this money and we went to the movie and we had popcorn and Coke. Everybody was thrilled. I was thrilled. We thought he was wealthy. <laughs> We thought we hit the jackpot. God said, it's him. I figured everything's all right. Um, everybody say, we walk by faith and not by sight. Well, then he began to tell me about his business that was in trouble. But he said, I, you really don't want you know, to, to move too fast in this because I, I have some financial challenges. <laughs> he didn't say 30,000. He just said challenges. And he, and he said, well, I said, well, this is me. Everybody say, by faith. This is the truth. I was so used to faith. I said, well, what's your, what's your most big bill that you got to pay right now? And it was electric bill. And I said, well, how much is it? And he told me. I said, well, we're going to pray, and God's going to take care of it. He looked at me like I was. He's wishing maybe I didn't want to be with him, you know. But you know what? God took care of that bill immediately. Immediately. He was so amazed. He would have me sit at the keyboard and just sing songs, and he would just weep. See, God knew what he was doing. And God got us out of all that debt. We paid every penny of that debt. When he talked about debt on Sunday, I wanted to say, listen, this isn't like wave the wand, it's over. Okay? This was a walk of faith. But I thank God for it because we would have never made it in this church if we hadn't walked through what we walked through. Never. My source is not a paycheck from this church. My source is God. My source is not my husband's paycheck. My source is God. And when you walk in that freedom, then you know he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Amen? So I just say that to you because it's a personal experience. I lived it. I know it's true. Is it easy? Well, it's easy to to love God and believe that God is real, but to walk out the process, it's difficult. I mean, the devil fights you every step of the way. But I couldn't say we don't have enough. Every time we'd get another, the IRS, they're like everywhere. And we would just about get one of the things that was against my husband paid, and then they would, boom, you're kind of an, I think, how do they know we got that done? But they, they were under some kind of a time frame. And if they don't get it in time, then they lose it. They can't come after you for it. So they were lining them up one after another. We are in this church, and we are, we are really responsible for a lot of areas. And the IRS is saying, you're going to go to jail if you don't pay this. I'm thinking, 
this probably isn't credentials for this place we're holding in the church. I mean, they probably wouldn't want us. But Pastor Billy Joe knew what was going on, and we fought through that thing till we got to the end of it and paid them every dime we owed them because of God, because of faith. And so when my husband said, uh, my wife, when, uh, when he was talking about that credit thing, I want to tell you, when, even when we started this church, we had to, by faith, use our credit card a few times to get this thing up and running. Because when we came here, we didn't have any money, but we knew we were supposed to do this. Everybody say, by faith. So we had to borrow some to get this church up and running. And it was just my husband and I. We lived with my parents because we couldn't take a paycheck. But we had to borrow some. We had some credit card debt. And after a certain period, God said, okay, time to get out. And so we started, I had kept a, a eight-column ledger thing, and I had every credit thing, anything we had that we owed, and I had them across there. And I would pay off one, and then I'd take that money, pay off the next one, add it to the amount I paid here. Then I'd take all that money, move it over to this column, pay that column. Then i move it. See, everybody say, that's walking by faith. See, it, but it, I had to do practical things. Are you listening to me? When Abraham was told by God, go to the mountain and sacrifice your son, he had to walk by faith. And he said to the servants, listen, we'll be back. He didn't say, I'll be back. He said, we will be back. And then he goes to that mountain with that son and has to put him on the altar and when he puts him on the altar, I don't know how I ever got him up there. My son, John Skelton, he would have been jumping off that. I'd, I'd have to hit him with something, knock him out, get him on that altar. But, you know, Isaac must have been pretty on it. My son, Matt, would have never gone with me. <laughs> John would have gone with me, but then he'd go, oh, no, 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 Mom. And so, you know, but, but I'm just saying, when God told him to do that, this was his heir, if you read Romans, this is where he said he, he was fully persuaded that God would give him that son because he was a father of nations. And then God says, give me that kid. He said, but wait a minute. You said this is the one. The other one you said wasn't the one. Ishmael was not. Isaac is, and now you're telling him. Tell, he just said, we'll be back. And his son said, who, 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 what about the offering, the sacrifice? And he said, God will provide. Amen? Why did he say that? Because he knew God. You read it in Romans. He said he was fully persuaded, and it was counted as righteousness to him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen? He knew. And when it was all said and done, God brought that ram out of the thicket to be the sacrifice. But I want to read to you. This, this is so fascinating. Everybody say, when you walk by faith, God rewards. But he, he'll take you to another level, and you have to walk again by faith. Amen? Because there are things to be taken. There are things to be, to be um, brought from heaven to here that we, when we walk by faith, we bring it into the, this realm, you know, because our faith brings it in. And in that, in that scripture, it's in Genesis 22. It says, uh, God told him, do not lay a hand on your boy and do, and do anything to him because now I know that you fear God. What was he saying? I know you trust me. I know that you know that I will take care of you is what he's saying. And then he says, seeing that you have not withheld your only son from me. And then it says, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Jehovah Jireh is what he said. Everybody say, he's my Jehovah Jireh. God is your provision. That's how you live everyday faith. If God is not your provision, you cannot walk every day in faith. If your job is your provision, you will not walk in everyday faith. You'll be concerned about your job. Then you're concerned because somebody gets a promotion and you didn't and you deserved it. And what happens? The enemy begins to twist things and pulls you out of a position of faith. And you begin to live by the flesh and begin to look at what, God, what, what the devil's trying to cause you to see instead of saying, God is my provision. 
Jehovah Jireh will take care of me. And he will cause me to prosper because he delights in the prosperity of his servant. And I'm serving him in this job. I don't work for this man. I work for God. It says in Colossians, do everything you do as unto the Lord, not unto the man. Amen. Everybody say, when you live the word, you reap a harvest. You reap a harvest. And so it goes on. Now, this is the next. After this is done, it says, then the angel of the Lord called to Abram out of heaven a second time and said, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. What he's really saying is, because you did this, knowing that the promise I gave you would be taken in the natural, but because you were so trusting in me that even though that threat was there, you still walked by faith and not by sight. You still went to the mountain. You still went and you took your son. You still, to the point of putting on the altar, believed me instead of what you saw. We live by faith and not by sight. Then it says, I will indeed bless you, and I will indeed multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sand that is on the seashore. Your descendants will possess the gate of their enemies. Amen? See, when we walk by faith and not by sight, we begin to walk in a realm where we really begin to experience victory after victory after victory after victory. But in that place, we're going to experience things that are going to be like that mountain where we have to go to the mountain and say, no matter what, my source is the Lord. No matter what I see, no matter what I feel, God is my source. Um, it goes on, it says, Though the, your, through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Everybody say, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Whether it's the word, which is logos or rhema, the Holy Spirit speaking something to us. It's when we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, I want to give you a scripture. This is a scripture that I, I, I say a lot of times when I'm praying for people because I, I believe this is truth. Uh, Psalm 138.8. And uh, it, it's just, it's, it's easy uh, to remember. Um, and, and you need things that are easy to remember because when the enemy comes, it says he comes like a flood, but the Lord will raise up a standard against him. That's in uh, Isaiah 58. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. But he raises up that standard against him through your faith. You're the one that's going to have to raise up that standard against him. And it says in Psalm 138.8, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your mercy, Lord, Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. My, the, in the King James, it, or in the New King James, it says God will perfect everything that concerned me. So what concerned you? My children, that they have everything that they need. My grandchildren, now my little great-grandson. And everything, every bit of my family, this church, all of you, all of this concerns me. In fact, my husband says, honey, let it go. Sometimes I get overly concerned. How many of you have ever done that? My husband will say, let it go. Do you know, in this church, I finally had to come to the realization, I can't, I can't really help any of you fix your situation. All I can do is give you Jesus and the truth of the word so that you can fix your situation. <laughs> Listen, if I could have found anybody to fix mine, I would have signed them up. But I'd already, I'd already been married, divorced, married, divorced, and I realized signing up people wasn't going to work. Because everybody can have good intentions. But we are all human, and we cannot do it without God. So we have to get in his realm. Tithing is in the realm of God. When Jesus said, go and declare the kingdom of God is at hand, he was saying, go and tell them 
It's in First uh, Peter. It's it's chapter two where it says you have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness, and you've been put into the kingdom of light. Everybody say light. In this kingdom, things work. Over here in this kingdom, things work, but you can bring the devil on the scene really fast. Over here, you will bring God on the scene just as quickly. You may not see the results of it as quickly, but he will be there. He will be in that situation. Psalm 138.8, write that one down. Now, I'm going to finish tonight with um, this scripture in Galatians 5 because uh, it's easy to get distracted and get off track. Um, today I was thinking, I, I've, I've had my little granddaughter, and, um, you know, she's, she's not used to me because I'm not like her mom or her dad. You know, she, she lives in her family, and how many of you know families do things their way? But she ran into me, and, um, and so, you know, I'm a little di- different. Um, you know, I'll bless, but, but I require uh, obedience, you know, I, I just do. Because if you don't teach children that, they'll never obey God. And uh, it's not that I want to be somebody. I just, I want them to know this is the way we do it here. And uh, today, we, we were at um, the Igloo. And she loves to go to Igloo and get cheese sticks after school. All kids, when they got out of school, are hungry. You know, they just, I mean, they just are hungry. All my kids were always hungry after school. So I took her. And she likes to get her a vanilla Coke. It's just like, oh, this is just the best, you know. So we are in line. Well, they know her in there uh, and pretty well because Joey, her dad, paints and does a lot of things for them. So the people who own it know her. And every now and then they'll say, uh, hey, Molly, we're going to try this new thing. You want to taste it and see what you think? She gets so excited. She said, sometimes they give me things here. I said, they do. <laughs> she said, yes, but you can't tell anybody. They just put it over the counter. And I just, I try it, and then I tell them, it's very good. That's really good. <laughs> so she gets so excited over these things. Well, today, when we got ready to go, this young man hands the sack, and he, he handed it to me, and he said, here you go, two of them today. And I said, oh, she would love that, thinking he was just teasing me. Well, she, picked, she gets outside, she goes, the bag's heavier. It's heavier. That means there are two of them. I said, well, I need to go back and pay. She said, no. No, he, he does this every now and then for her. They surprise me. I said, oh, okay, because I didn't want to get the kid in trouble. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to go with the granddaughter. Hope she knows what she's saying. Or I just stole a package of four cheese sticks. But anyway, so we're, we get home. She's so excited. She's cutting them all up. And I said, could I have a cheese stick? I test this. She goes, no. I go, well, what about this little thing that I got you today? Uh, aren't we going to be givers? She said, oh, here's a cheese stick. <laughs> she, she could read that. She understood, you know, oh, here's a cheese stick, Grandma. So we get home, so she's got seven left. She only usually gets four. She is whacking those things up into little bitty pieces, stacks them up. She goes, look at this stack. She got the ketchup. She was so excited. And her brother came in. Jack came in. He said, she said, guess what, Jack? They gave me two packages of cheese sticks. He said, could I have one? She goes, no. I said, really? I said, Molly, you need to give Jack a cheese stick. Okay. And I said, actually, give him two. She goes, huh? I said, six cheese sticks is enough for anybody. And besides, aren't we going to be givers? Oh, yes, she said. Oh, yes. <laughs> She's thinking of that little thing I gave her. She gave Jack all his two cheese sticks. You know, it's important that you teach people to be givers. Important. She didn't need seven cheese sticks, number one. But she needed to give her brother two of those cheese sticks. She she would be fine. And she gave him the two. As soon as I said a giver, she knew exactly what that meant. You know, God gives to us, but he expects us to be givers. Everybody say givers. That means we're going to walk by faith and not by sight. I had a situation not too long ago. Somebody came and they were talking to me about something they wanted to do. And I'm just, I'm just sitting there and I hear God say, take care of the rest of that for her. 
and it was it it was a bigger sum that I mean that I I mean I, and this person doesn't go to this church used to years ago hasn't gone here for a long time but came to talk me to, to me about something, and I just felt like God said give it so I started to do it through the church and God said no do it yourself, so I went out got my checkbook gave her the check never didn't even blink an eye how did I do that I would have never done that in 1979. I would have never done that in 1989 when we started this church. I would have prayed for you that God provide. <laughs> but as God provides, then you get in this flow. Everybody say this flow. God will perfect everything that concerns me. You may be the person that perfects that thing. Because you walk by faith and not by sight. And there's nothing in you that says, I can't do that. You know God can. God can. Will he give it back? I'm sure he will, or he'll do something else to make up for it. It isn't like I have all of that, but it's that obedience. Everybody say obedience. We have to be obedient. In Galatians, this is what it says in, in, in chapter 5. And I just want you to think about this because, you know, the enemy can cause you to shrink back and not do this. But you need to live every day in faith. And so if there's a place where you've been threatened because he does it, it says, for freedom, Christ freed us. Stand fast, therefore, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. You know what the greatest bondage for people is? When they don't walk by faith. And they let fear stop them from what God wants to do. And then it goes on, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, which was the way in the old covenant, you know, that made you be right before God. Christ will profit you nothing. I testify again to every man who is circumcised that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You have been cut off from Christ, whoever you is justified by the law. We are justified by grace. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith works through love. We're going to talk about that next week. Love and fear and doubt and unbelief and those things. But I want to pray for you tonight because this is what it goes on and says. You were running well. Who hindered you? How many of you have ever been hindered? Um, in, in my life, the greatest hindrances that, that are things that have tried to stop me and sometimes held me back a little until I got my bearings, were from people who had influence in my life. You know, people who didn't have any influence wouldn't necessarily affect me, but somebody who had influence, uh, just a look, you know, like somebody just kind of rolls their eyes, like, right, you know, um, sure, God will take care of that. Uh, things that, that, you know, and the closer you are to people, then the more influence they have in your life. Nobody can be closer to you than you are to the Lord. Nobody. Because there will always be warfare. Everybody say warfare. And it goes on and it says in Galatians 5, in verse 16 and 17, that this warfare is the spirit warring against the flesh. And things in the flesh can look so real that they will try to back you up in the spirit. And you'll stop your everyday faith. And faith, I don't know how, what you've experienced, but faith is, is like, can be gone. I mean, it's like you're fine, and then some big thing hits you, and it's like, what am I going to do? Instead of, well, what's gonna, God going to do to fix this one? <laughs> you know, uh, it's, or how God's going to show me to fix this situation or how God's going to show me to overcome. It's, it's like immediately the flesh starts to take, pos take possession of the, of the problem. We walk by faith and not by sight. It's a practice. It's a practice every day. And, and wherever you are, um, you know, there's some people who are stronger in this. And uh, like, uh, I always, uh, I always uh, like, see it in this kind of a realm because I quit smoking years ago and I would be around other people who quit smoking and 
And they absolutely thought everybody should stop smoking. And they had no mercy on those who didn't because they had quit. And so everybody else, why can't you quit? I quit. We can't do that with our faith. Why can't you walk by faith in this? I can. That's not what this is about. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And God is the one who helps us walk by faith and not by sight. So your faith, you can't try to have the faith of somebody else. And you can't try to make people walk by faith the way you do. Are you getting this? Pastor Billy Joe once said, on this ladder, you may be a rung five, but somebody else is rung two. Why don't you go down to rung two and talk to them there instead of trying to bring them to rung five when they've never walked there before? Brother, K- Brother um, um, Kenneth Kagan said, my wife needed surgery. He said, if it had been me, I wouldn't have had surgery. I just stood by faith. But I said to her, where, where are you? She said, I need surgery. He said, I'm getting in agreement with you. We're going to have surgery. You're going to be just fine. What he could do, she could not do. But you can't use faith to try to maneuver people. Okay? So wherever you are tonight, the key is what is hindering you. If it's a person, then you need to stop listening to them. Whichever way it is. You will not be able to walk everyday faith until your source is God and not a person telling you how it ought to be. Amen? I've seen too many shipwrecks of that. And so that really freed me because, you know, when you're growing in faith, you want to be like the people you really admire. But God will get you there. Don't try to let somebody else take you there because you won't be able to stand. Amen? Let's stand. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you gave us everyday faith because you said that we could walk by faith and not by sight through what you did at Calvary. And I just want to ask you tonight, if you're here and Jesus is not the Lord of your life, then you can't walk by faith because faith is your connection to him. You have to be connected to him. You, You may be able to overcome in sense situations just because you're strong, just because you can make yourself do things. But the devil operates in a realm that you cannot overcome without the blood of Jesus. So if you're here tonight and that's you, I think I know most everybody, but if that's you and you need to get that right, let's just just lift your hand. We're going to pray right now if that's you. Okay. Then we're going to pray this. Um, how many of you know that you've been hindered? You, you were running well, and then you know right now you, you stopped. Could I see your hands? God's going to set you free tonight to run again. Because you knew, you, you were running, you started, but then you you hit a wall or something happened and you stopped. Yeah, just put your hands up high because we're going to pray right now. You know that's, yeah, just let God minister to you right now. That's what he wants to do. If there's somebody behind beside you that has their hand up, would you go and put your hand? And don't be embarrassed to put your hand up because there have been plenty of times when I've had to lift my hand. Father, in Jesus' name. I'm trusting you tonight. You said when your word is preached that there will be signs, wonders, and miracles. And I thank you for those that are standing here tonight. That they they started out, they were running well, but they were hindered in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, tonight, we, we let go of that hindrance. I want you right now, if your hand's up, say, I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. God knows how to fix it. I don't. I'm letting it go. You may say, what if I let it go? What will happen? God will pick it up. He will pick it up. And you cannot handle it by yourself. It will take you down. In Jesus' name, I pray right now for the healing power of Jesus over your mind that has has, uh, gotten um, just twisted back and forth back and forth back and forth in jesus name i bind the torment in the name of jesus and i loose the peace of god that passes your understanding that will allow you to start walking by faith and not by sight holy spirit i ask you right now right where they're standing 
that you drop in their heart the word that they need, the word that they need, the scripture that they need, that they can latch on to right now. Like you, you had me latch on to, God, my God will perfect everything that concerns me. Whatever their scripture need is, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Let him get a word tonight because that word, you said faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. So thank you tonight that there's a word that's going to write either right now or as they go home tonight, going to drop in their heart and they're going to write it down and they're going to begin to say that and say it and say it and say it and say it until it becomes truth in their heart. Even if they don't see it, it becomes a truth in their heart that is like, like a stone, a stone that's there that says, this is what the Lord has said. I will speak what God says and not what I feel, not what I see, not what I believe. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. Would you take the hand of the person next to you tonight? We're going to close like this. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. Lord, I thank you. Begin to pray for them that their faith would begin to grow. You begin to pray for them. It says when you pray for others, it will be done to you. Begin to pray that their, their, their faith will grow because we all need to increase in our faith. They'll begin to see what God sees and not what not what they've they've seen in the natural. And if, if if you've seen it, that you'll begin to see it bigger and more, and it'll become stronger in Jesus' name. That you'll see that God will take care of you. He will make provision for you. Where where there may be lack, it won't affect you because God will come in and He will make provision in a way that you never thought He could. And we thank you for it tonight, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. We'll give God praise. Hallelujah. If you know anybody who's living in fear, you need to bring them to church next week because I believe God's going to set them free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.